Welcome to Obsessed Show, a podcast that is designed to inspire, featuring some of the most creative people in the world. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Welcome to season four of Obsessed Show. You'll note that we are no longer calling it Obsessed with Design. This season, we'll still be chatting with designers from branding, illustration, architecture, and design thinking, but we'll also be talking to other makers and creatives along the way. In fact, when we started the show, the plan all along was to broaden out and talk to other guests eventually, which was part of why our website and Twitter handle and Instagram are all Obsessed Show. If you're into what we're doing here, you might also want to check out my personal branding and marketing tips called 59 Second Friday. That's over at youtube.com slash Josh Miles. And just one more special announcement, check out IndieDesignWeek.com if you are anywhere near the Indianapolis area. We've got some amazing speakers and talks that are happening throughout the week. Yours truly will be presenting a little podcasting workshop on Wednesday evening, as well as speaking at the main event on Friday morning. Again, check out IndieDesignWeek.com to learn more. Let's talk about today's episode. I'm chatting with Vice President of PGAV Destinations, architect John Kassman. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with John Kassman. As John says in his bio, artist plus engineer equals architect. Now, John always knew that he loved science and math and art and began studying architecture at Notre Dame, which is about five minutes from where I grew up. So maybe if we have a moment, we can talk about the bustling metropolis that is (laughs) South Bend, Indiana. His work has been featured uh, all over the place, really. He's got some pretty amazing projects, including work at the Biltmore and Table Rock, and I'm really excited to hear more about your projects, John. Welcome to Obsessed with Design. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. Well, hey, I'm really excited to hear more about what you do with PGAV Destinations, but first, one of my favorite questions to start off with is if you would humor me a little bit with your origin story as a designer. Sure, origins. I started out with a dream of being an architect uh, back in high school. Uh, you had read a little bit of uh, a short little quip of my bio that kind of gave a little bit of a hint to my my family and my background. My mom's side of the family had a, a long kind of history of, of artistry in her family. Uh, her grandfather worked in gorgeous kind of leather works, and I was always surrounded by sketchbooks from her brother, and she was artist in her own right. We always had a a painting of hers hanging over the kitchen table. So uh, she always inspired me in the arts. And my dad was an engineer uh, and always very, uh, very rigid in his his engineering tendencies, right? And so I came out naturally when you think about um, my love for art. And I I had a talent for math and, and physics and all those things during high school. And so somewhere right around maybe junior year or so, I started having to Field questions from everybody. What do you want to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to go into college for? And I, I had this dream of, of being an architect. It just kind of popped in because that's what I love to do. It's what I was good at. It's what I loved. 
And so I remember I brought that up to my father once, and he said, really? Do you know what an architect does? <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I said, oh, um, yeah. And I, I tried my best to answer, and, and like we did in those late 80s a lot, I ran off to my Encyclopedia Britannica because my dad told me to. And I, I, I started there, and I started thinking about what, what that field could be for me, and I stuck with it. So I, I ended up at the University of Notre Dame and graduated there with a Bachelor of Architecture. I, uh, and my field and my talents kind of led me to St. Louis at, at PGAV Destinations. Honestly, I, I had no idea until I got here, truly, that, that the field was really much broader. Right? Mm. It wasn't just about buildings, and there was a chance to use my love for architecture and design in a, in a broad way and thinking of all the great projects we do here. It was really eye-opening. So when you said artist plus engineer equals architect, you meant that quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have an engineering degree, much to my father's chagrin. I I think even I I do recall that even as I graduated with my bachelor in architecture, he said, so when are you going to go for your PE license? Dad, I'm I'm, I'm not going to be an engineer. (laughs) But I I do. I have always loved it. Uh, Structural engineering courses and everything else through college uh, weren't the painful side of things. I really did enjoy that as well. So I... um, I was born to be what I am, I think, come by it, honestly. So um, just coincidentally, I've worked with a lot of architecture and engineering firms in the past. Um, so I'm curious to hear a little bit kind of of the PGAV pitch. You know, what what makes you guys different and, you know, sort of imply your, your focus just in the name. But um, tell me a little bit about the firm. Sure. Uh, we've been around for over over 50 years. So it's a, it's, it's a great long stretch and really our the name of PGV destinations you're right gives a hint into what our expertise is truly in in destination projects and when you think of that it's really anything that that we love to do in our in our leisure and tourism time so it covers all kinds of great projects that are live in the realm of themed entertainment and, and theme parks museums and cultural sites and historic sites uh, zoo and aquarium work brand destinations these days. So the, the term uh, destination truly is a broad reaching one, but it's fabulous projects that utilize, you know, my background is in architecture, but really uh, about half of us here at PGAV Destinations have an architectural background and the other half are a great combination of, of all different design backgrounds. It's a multidisciplinary firm. So I'm surrounded by awesome talent in landscape architects and interior designers and graphic designers and exhibit designers and a little bit of fine arts and sculptors and uh, people with media and theater backgrounds. So it's a, it's an outstanding uh, collection of folks that you're inspired by every day. It sounds like your entire firm could have been on the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> just uh, just yeah, all get in the room. The people that are uh, lined up behind me. Cool. Hopefully we'll have a long list of new subscribers after we <laughs> publish this, this episode, uh, just from St. Louis or you are, you're in St. Louis, right? We are. Our headquarters from St. Louis. Uh, we're about a, over 120 folks and, uh, yeah, but we've always been in St. Louis. So our, our Midwestern roots are staying true. So I think a lot of people have, um, maybe a mental picture of what they think architects do. Um, but what does a typical day look like for you and, how frequently are you, you know, actually at the boards, you know, sketching, drawing, making versus, you know, out there working with clients directly or selling or, you know, meetings, other stuff. What, what's an average day or week look like for you? 
Yeah, there, there is no there is no typical day. I guess is probably one of your common responses to that kind of question. And um, my my days, I think, are always spread across. I, I think every day I I try to put other people first. I think so. Most of my days are trying to get uh, the teams that I'm working on kind of going in the right direction. So a lot of times my days are structured that way. That I try to think about. Uh, all of our projects are, are very team and very collaborative. And so thinking about how we can be most effective and getting all those answers to questions out there for other folks that are working on the team, whatever background they might have, or consultants or clients even. So a lot of my days start by thinking of it that way and getting the getting everybody else moving, putting them first instead of myself first. But um, you know, my ideal day would be that you could touch a little bit of everything of why I, I got in the field in the first place, right? There's a creative design piece to it, uh, client strategic side of things, design side of things, um, problem solving side of things. But much of my day these days are um, are involved with clients, communications, and team leadership and, uh, and driving projects uh, further. I, my kiddos, I, I remember at the end of each day, I'd always say, right, what'd you do today? And, and did you have a good day? And they were, they're starting to get used to now that t- taking the question and turning it back on me. And, and so, <laughs> I would always say, well, I, I didn't, no, I didn't get to draw today. It's like, dad, why didn't you draw today? And so a lot of times that I, I, I leave the house and I say, okay, dad, draw first. Like, make sure you draw first today. Make sure you have a good day. So every day where you can have a, a pen in your hand and drawing and solving problems is always a good day. Most days are good days. Yeah. It really is a pretty good day when you get to do um, creative stuff at work. I think all of us who have jobs in a creative industry, you know, it's so fortunate that part of the day we get to go play <laughs> at yeah, some right. level, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, one of the things that I found when I was running an agency was, um, you know, the more frequently that I'd switch hats to go from sales guy to accountant to graphic designer to copywriter, that was always the most exhausting kind of day for me was when I had to switch roles. Do you, do you feel that in your firm? I don't think it's exhausting. I think, um, there are some times where you switch hats. I know when you think about helping, uh, you know, look at look at a project from somebody else's point of view. But a lot of times, and I do think it's because of the, the all the vast talent we have in our office. I think a lot of it is um, working with other people rather than switching hats. You're working directly with somebody else who has a different background than you. So you think mm-hmm. about my architectural background, and I sit next to somebody that's got a graphic design background, but we may be working on the same project, and, and to be able to work with them and see things from their point of view. I think there's a little less switching hats and being exhausted. I think it's a lot more almost invigorating that you learn constantly from other people. So the, the switching hats, I, I think, um, doesn't exhaust me nearly as much as, as uh, looking at the other hats that people are wearing and learning from. It's a different way of answering your question maybe, but it does. it's a way of trying to put a positive spin on it. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of our listeners... Um, you know, might be in graphic design or interior design or architecture. Um, and the common theme is, you know, all of these are design professionals who are trying to work with clients and find the good ones. Um, how, how do you guys identify what makes a great client for you and, and where have you had the most success in tracking these elusive beasts down? <laughs> I think that uh, the first response that comes to mind are the 
the great clients are ones that enjoy being alongside you and working with you. Because I, I think all the projects, whether it's a, um, you know, whether it's a, a roller coaster in a theme park or whether it's a, uh, a polar bear exhibit in a zoo, I, learning from your clients and being there at the table, being able to um, be their partner and understand their business to a different level, but also bringing your expertise on top of it. So most of our clients, um, I would say the great clients are ones that are uh, to create that partnership, but are also kind of open-minded and, and aspirational. Like anybody who wants to come to the table and do a project and, and has a little bit of, of um, aspirational element to it, no matter what the size of the project, it can be a small project, but still the desire to do great things with it, I think is, is really what makes a client uh, great to work with. I guess on the other side of that, um, you know, we've all hit rough spots, um, whether it's a, a bad day or um, a bad project or just, you know, something doesn't go the way that you want. Um, what are some of your go-to methods for kind of shaking that off or how do you deal with that rough spot? A lot of, a lot of the projects we work on are, um, We'll admit are, are complicated when you think about it. There's the guest experience side of things, and there's always we're fortunate that a lot of our a lot of our projects have very immersive stories to tell, which is great. Those are great projects to be able to work on, whether it's a museum environment or a, a, again whatever the destination type of project it is. A lot of those do come to rough spots, and you know the easy answers to those or the easy examples of those, I guess, are budget-driven ones. Everybody has such great aspirations and wants to put so much, and you know, there's only so much you can put into a project. And and to me, the, sometimes the budget, you can see it as tough spots and you can see it as different way. And and rather than saying you're deleting things to, to because you had to cut it to get to a budget or you know, uh, area allocation or whatever the uh, example might be, we always tend to try to turn it into a positive and think about, okay, if it, the success of the project, how can we boil it down to what are the top three things? If we do these three things right or these five things right, that will give us our best shot at success. And being able to clear your brain a little bit and not look at the you said a project that's going sideways from a, don't look at it as a negative, look at it as, okay, if I need to do this, how can I make this successful project by, by clearing your brain and remembering why we're doing it right? and getting down to the heart of why is um, proven successful in the past. At least it, it helps all of us, not just ourselves, but working with the clients and, and working with a design solution uh, to make it uh, successful and problem solving and beautiful all at the same time. You kind of have to remember why it is you're doing it and get it down to the core essence. Yeah. I've, um, I've often said that when you give a designer a brief and you say, just do whatever you want, do something cool. There's nothing more crippling, I think, yeah. <laughs> as a designer than a brief that's not a brief. It's basically like, surprise me and then you'll see if it's good or not. Right. Um, on the flip side, I think like you're talking about, even even what seems at first like a really difficult client um, can really play off as a really nice combination when you have a strong point of view as a designer and a client with a strong point of view. You can sometimes get to this magical third place 
um, mm-hmm. where the two of you are working together so well. Um, do you have any of those that stand out to you where, where the end experience or the, um, the end visitor um, was really met with something that was, you know, a surprise that maybe you and the client both wouldn't have expected at the beginning? Or was there, um, can you think of any of these that, that just kind of like worked out better than either of you expected? Yeah, we're, when you think about our projects, a lot of times people come to us and you think, okay, we have a new, we have a desire for a new attraction, uh, whether or and sometimes they're very specific. And other times, I, I think part of your question is where the sometimes the greatest joy is to try to figure out what the right product is or what the right concept or design might be. Uh, given an understanding of, okay, here's the demographic, here's the people that are coming, here's the, uh, here's the desired outcome. And so we do a lot of, re- I think every project really is, we look at the understanding of who it is that's coming and what that emotional takeaway should be. And you're right, a lot, a lot of the great projects are, are when you come up with a product that either hasn't been done before or at least hasn't been done in a certain way. You can take two examples of projects and do it in very unique ways or by combining different pieces and parts. Uh, projects years ago where we've had you know, water rides and we've had coasters, but never before have they been put together to create the first water coaster back in, in the, in the nineties. There's all kinds of different examples of, of opening your eyes creatively to come up with something that's unexpected. Um, and there's examples all over of it, but a lot of it lives in the attraction world, but it also lives in a, in the other type of projects we work on, museums, historic sites, be able to, to present it in a different way uh, to get the same emotional outcome is, uh, is exciting. Really. Well, maybe we could get into a little more specific example. Um, tell us about one of your your proudest professional moments. Maybe maybe that's not a project specifically, or maybe it is, but I'll, I'll let you answer that how you like. There's a few uh, when you think about you know, favorite projects or proudest moments. That the word "pride," I think of a lot of the projects we work on are uh, resulting guest experiences, right? So you think of a um, whether it be a zoo exhibit or whether it be a, a theme park attraction. A lot of the pride comes from actually not seeing it rise out of the ground. Like a lot of descriptions of architects, you think, oh, it's just magical to feel your design actually come out of the ground and watch it happen. To me, the pride comes from when it's open and you see the guests and you see the visitors interacting with it and enjoying yeah. themselves. And to me, the, a lot of the memories come from that. I, I spent um, a good you know, four years of my life of, uh, you know, from concept, early concept of fat marker drawings for Discovery Cove in Orlando and then uh, living through all the design phases and being there on site for construction and seeing it opening day. And it still, uh, you know, it hits me when you walk into somebody's home, even if you, a family member or somebody I've never met before and see a, you see a photo on the mantle of them there at Discovery Cove. And, and it's in a place of honor right? on a nightstand or a mantle. And you think about, holy cow, like that experience touched them that much that, that that's the one of many photos displayed around their house. And so to me, those projects that we pour our, our heart into the team over here at PGV and work with all kinds of clients and consultants and 
the design ends up being something that turns into an experience that is that memorable that, that deserves that place of honor, that's a proud moment to me. Uh, sometimes I see it in my own family, but other times, whenever you can get an example of people that you don't even know and see those photos and, or hear those memories, that's, um, that's the greatest takeaway that I can ask for. Do you have any design heroes, John? Design heroes. I, I have a lot. Some of my, <laughs> I work with every day. Right? I, so that's the first thing I thought of, honestly. There's some, there's some folks here that have been fortunate to be here for, at PJV for over 25 years. Right? And there's some people that have been here just as long as me. But you think about the, uh, as a mentor, right? there's you know, Fred Guyton is the G of PJV, and, and his, um, his ability is the greatest storyteller I've met. Right? It's just his ability to describe the projects he's worked on and the people he's worked with. There's others, uh, others here at PJV. Jim Morecamp taught me how to problem solve like, like nobody else. And Jim Weibel and Steve Zilch from a creative standpoint. So all the, the, those folks are people that I work with on a daily basis, but there's other ones when you think back. Uh, you know, myself in architectural school, I remember, uh, and still, Tadao Ando, and the way that an architect can, can be that passionate about the relationship to light and landscape and I grew up in Chicago, so Frank Lloyd Wright's an influence for almost all kinds of architects, but me personally, uh, that was close to my heart. So there's all kinds of different folks from a architectural history and architectural background, but just as many heroes that I've worked with over the, over the years here that I would classify that I learned just as much from. I think it's, uh, it's cool that you work within a firm that um, – has an opportunity to do a lot of projects that some architects would deem them or many of them as dream projects because they're, they're destinations. They've got cool visibility, um, or they're maybe places you would aspire to go to on vacation. So all of those things kind of add up to, these are fun, cool projects to work on. But I'm curious, um, if you have any dream projects that you haven't done yet, that, that you'd love to do sometime in the future. The key phrase is that it haven't done yet because you're right. Any, a lot of folks in the design field, they talk a lot about getting an itch to, to do something else. And that is the beauty of, of what, what I've had the opportunity to do here at PGV and what we do every day. Every, every project is so unique to think about in over the span of years to work on everything from a, from a, a roller coaster in a theme park to a, to a historic site. Like like the Alamo, I mean, there's all it, it just runs the gamut. Uh, future dream jobs. I don't I don't know. I, I love the fact that we are on the edge of of interacting with technology on a really interesting way, and so seeing that we are on uh, talking quite a bit about interacting with tef- technology, but doing it in a social way. And figuring out ways to uh, to not only just tell stories, not a, on a one-on-one basis using technology, but also doing it and cracking the nut of how you can use technology, but also rather than, than isolating people, right? We're, we're all connected, mm-hmm. but somehow we always feel a little bit more isolated because of the technology we use on a daily basis. I think part of the magic in our near future is to figure out how we can harness technology in a in some of the destination projects we work on, but doing it in a shared sense that actually encourages you to connect with people and, uh, and connect with cultures and stories in a group setting rather than a one-on-one. So 
I think that's an exciting time. So to me, those are the dream jobs that are out there that are in the future. Um, sort of related to that, um, how do you guys view or, or how do you guys um, tell your story? Or are there things that you do from a, from a marketing or technology standpoint to, to communicate what's different about your projects or what's different about your firm? We, we enjoy the fact that we, uh, we rely heavy on research, I think both in the industry, but also just in, in general demographics, people, what the guests are telling us. Right? We do a, a series of called the Voices of Visitor. And, and when you think about uh, the differentiator of not just looking at what's, what's new from a trends aspect uh, out there in, in the world, but also understanding the people and the culture and, and what people are looking for, right? how families act when they travel or how <laughs> international visitors and what they're looking for that's a little bit different from, uh, from local visitors. I think we, we spend a lot of time and, uh, and it's a lot of value um, because we approach the projects a little bit differently and, and being able to see projects through other people's eyes is, is I think really important. Sometimes it's through our clients and sometimes it's really the end user. That's uh, it's people like you and me, but, but we have to admit, we do think about uh, things differently when we're on vacation and, and understanding that in a deep way, I think is really special. And so we'd spend a lot of time in doing that just to, just in addition, as a great background to the way that we design things aesthetically and and functionally, it's it's important to us. So, John, um, most of the designers that I've spoken with on this program, I, I've asked everybody the same question. Um, I find that the designers we are an obsessive lot. <laughs> so, I'm curious. Uh, you know, it's sort of the theme of the show: obsessed with design. Um, and your answer doesn't have to be designed, but I'm curious um, what it is that you find that you are most obsessed with right now. Right, right now. Um, I answered a little bit of the last question relative to technology and where we are in the, in the future. And I think, um, I think that's one answer that comes to mind. A second one is how our, how our world is really at an interesting time and we're changing and we're seeing that a lot of the guest experience led projects that we've been doing for years are really starting to become commonplace in our everyday lives. When you think about retail today and even, um, even some experiences in the food service and retail and general entertainment, is, is really getting into an immersive spot where people are passionately looking for a deeper sense of, of story and understanding and culture. And some of that comes from potential of technology, but I think a lot of it comes from just this sense of wanting to, wanting to share stories. And so a lot of what we're obsessed with is all the different ways to do that. And so Technology is a way to share stories, but also I, I think there's a way that we would script our day where there's different ways to have physical experiences that are just as important as the technology-based ones. But to us, it all comes back to the fact that we're yearning to, to learn things, and the primary way to learn things is to share stories, and I think that's um, something we're always obsessed with. How do you gauge, um, as you're designing these kinds of experiences, 
how do you gauge what's successful or what's, you know, what's getting the appropriate response or, you know, when, when the bar is raised ever higher every day, every new theme park, every new vacation destination, you know, how, how do you gauge, did we do a good job or is that something that's going to sustain that level of experience? I think it's a lot of people have been, have been thinking about the Instagrammable moments and I don't, I don't think that's, that's the real uh, litmus test, right? That the aesthetic beauty and the perfect shot as a memory, I think is a really interesting piece, but uh, more so I think about how you can, how you can be intrigued and curious. And if, if you're, whether you're there to escape and enjoy yourself and relax or whether you're there at a destination to, to learn something or whether you're there to simply um, enjoy a destination or a culture that you have never experienced before. I think there's a little bit of the fact that if somebody is left there changed, whether they're excited to, to make a change or whether it's, uh, understand a little bit more and go research a little bit more, whether it's a conservation message, all those different things. I think the greatest projects are ones that aspire to actually change the world in, in small ways, right? Enhance and understand the, the world that we live in a little bit more. And sometimes, you know, that sounds very lofty, very grand, but a lot of times there's, there's small projects out there that just want to make a small step in that. And those are equally important, but there's a little bit of chance of, or a little bit of factor of success, in there that did you make a leap forward and and changing the way people look at things in a positive way where do you look for inspiration as you're trying to create these kinds of experiences well it's it's it certainly depends on the projects right when you think about the variety of a lot of times it's nature right i think a lot of artists would rely back on that um but same thing for our type of destination projects uh, history and travel and culture. I, I think understanding uh, understanding the destination, the history of it, I think is important no matter what's there. And so, a lot of inspiration comes from not just not just the aesthetic and the and the imagery that we pull, but also the research into the history and the culture and the people uh, that are there. And those are evenly divided. Right? Do you have a favorite uh, destination that you've been to recently? <laughs> oh, there's a lot. Uh, that's, that's the great thing about our projects, right? There, we have a few great local projects here in St. Louis, but our our projects take us everywhere. So our, um, our, we do have projects in the Middle East and China. I have yet to, to myself go to China, so that's one thing on my bucket list. Uh, but projects throughout Europe, I think, uh, there's a project in Spain that I spent a good long time uh, there during construction. Uh, mm, cool. I, I fell in love with the countries. There's so many European countries that you can fall in love with, but actually just as many here in the U S when you think about, we have projects in, uh, in Texas, we have projects in Canada that brought me to Vancouver, which is a great, a great city, the history of um, Philadelphia and Boston. I think everywhere. I, I have a hard time picking a favorite. I, I think the, <laughs> The great thing about our uh, our type of projects is it really does uh, light you up with the with the travel bug and everything that you can experience. Yeah, my wife and I always say that we we fall in love with every city we visit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not every city, but but lots of them. 
<laughs> all depends on your travels. Um, I'm curious if you have a favorite piece of advice, either one that you've received from a mentor or maybe one of your favorite pieces of advice to pass along to young designers or architects. Um, I get, to, I get to do a lot of, a lot of, um, talking to folks that are, um, interviewing here at PGV. And I love it really. Cause it's, it's inspiring, but you also get to see people from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I always, when I think your question, I think that there's some things that carry over no matter what your background is, whether it's architecture, interiors, you know, fine arts. The curiosity is always one thing that comes up. People that are just inherently curious and have a love for pushing themselves to learn more and, and do more. You know, curiosity and that sense of ownership and pride, you know, a lot of times go hand in hand. So curiosity is one of my top ones that anytime you can push yourself, uh, not just out of your comfort zone to do something that's, that's, that's outside of what you typically would do, but also keep the yearning for, uh, for learning more. That's one of them. Um, empathy, I think is a good one. I think that comes up a lot. The ability to see a project from somebody else's point of view, is, is huge, uh, is whether you're an architect or, or another design professional. I think that's, um, that's high on my list of, of, of advice, uh, two keywords. Um, what do you think is the, maybe the biggest surprise that either, um, you know, somebody right out of school might have coming to work for an architecture firm or, maybe an architect that's worked in a different kind of practice who comes to PGAV and they're working on these destination kind of projects. What, what are the kind of the surprises that they would encounter there? I think one surprise is the ability to make an impact. I, I think, well, I think a lot of folks are coming out of school and, and thinking that they have to put in their time before they can, before their opinion counts in some ways. And I, I always fight against that uh, impression. But I, I think people, as long as they are open-minded and curious and they drive to own a project just as much as anybody else has, uh, that their opinion counts and that their, their design sense, uh, they have to have the confidence that their, um, that their word is important and their, their point of view is just as valued. Uh, they may not have the experience right, that, that we've had, whether we see that too. There's a lot of folks that come to us with years of architectural experience, but then trying to translate that architectural experience into doing projects that are um, guest focused right, uh, or um, a guest experience led rather than you know, not starting out with a structural grid. Uh, it's just a different way of approaching projects, but it does mean that, that um, people can be very impactful early on as long as they are willing to grab as much as they can in the project and, um, and stay curious. On. Um, John, I've just got a couple questions left before we wrap up here. Um, but I, I'm curious if you weren't doing architecture, what do you think you'd be doing? Hmm. Maybe a tour guide. We talked a lot about travel uh, and about how great all of these destinations are that we are are blessed to work with. 
my fear would be that I, I think I enjoy hearing the stories just as much as telling the story. So I might not be a very good tour guide, but I, I think <laughs> something involving uh, being able to learn more and tell all these great stories. I, I think a tour guide would be outstanding. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure how good I'd be, but it, it'd be a fantastic uh, way to to take the love of design and the love of uh, experiencing all these great things and still do something relative to what I do today. You know, it's interesting what you said that if you were the tour guide, sometimes you'd rather just listen. I think um, to be a good designer, you really first have to be a great listener. So I think you've uh, you've demonstrated your your uh, willingness to to listen. <laughs> So um, before we let you go, John, tell us a little bit more about how our listeners can check out PGAV and uh, maybe where to catch up with you or find other other avenues to learn more about you. Sure. Um, yeah, our website's the best spot, right? PGAVdestinations.com. We uh, tell a lot about our firm. It also has postings for career opportunities, things like that. So that's the best first step. Um, you know, we just, uh, start an Instagram account, so that's always fun, but all the usual sources, right? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in addition to our website are the, are the best places to, to go first. And it'll take you all kinds of great places once you start there. Sounds great. Well, we will link to all of that stuff in our show notes. Everyone listening, that will be at obsessedshow.com and click on episodes and look for John Kassman. So, John, thank you for taking some time to chat today and thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that's episode number 117 in the books. As we expand our topics here at Obsessed Show, please tweet at Obsessed Show and let me know who else you think we should talk to. Do you want to hear from video people, from authors, from painters? What kind of creators and creatives and makers are most interesting to you? Because that's who I want to interview on this show. Don't forget to check out that new 59 Second Friday series all about personal branding and marketing on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash Josh Miles. And it would mean a lot to me if you just hit that subscribe button. Every subscriber means a lot. You can get all of today's show notes on our website, still at obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you on some of my favorite new episodes and some cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Of course, all the links are over at obsessedshow.com to all the places you can find this show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcasts, chances are you can listen to Obsessed Show from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com. The Obsessed Show demonstrated its first spark of creativity at Miles Herndon branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Visit milesherndon.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.